Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning to the remnant, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for tuning in. We have a very important podcast today and so many issues to tackle, but we have to also address, of course, what happened yesterday at the Washington, D.C. State Capitol. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, but also what we talked about on the last podcast we did with um, Andy Woods. Um, it was one of our most popular of the year and for good reason. It was because of the content. We're going to share about that and also share about um, just calls <laughs> for us to repent for what we talked about. We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, Father, thank you for giving us another day. Uh, we need you, Lord. We need your help. And we ask today that you'd uh, increase our faith, uh, help us to speak the truth in love, uh, give us just such a delicate balance of humility with boldness, and lead us by your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to be truth proclaimers and defenders, and uh, just for such a time as this, use us and everyone who is listening right now, touch their hearts and strengthen their faith, and God, use us in whatever way you will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that includes in the United States of America. Um, We're praying for mercy We thank you that up until this point you have not given us what we deserve as a nation who has fallen away from you, and even as a church that has strayed and become lukewarm. Well, Father, we know that there is forgiveness and there is redemption in Christ, and your mercies are new every morning. So we lift up this time to you. Thank you for giving us another opportunity to talk about things that matter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today, Dr. Andy Woods is back with us, author, pastor, teacher, Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, uh, president of Schaefer Theological Seminary, founder of Andy Woods Ministries. Many, many books. Uh, I like uh, several of them. Um, the Coming Kingdom, The Middle East Meltdown, The Falling Away. And our last podcast that I mentioned, the title of it is China Driving the Liberal Media Marxist Coup. And that's where we'll start today with Dr. Andy Woods. Andy, thank you for coming back on the show. David, uh, thanks for having me this morning. Um, I love what you shared before we got on the air about um, we are looking for a different, <laughs> a different city, a different country, because that's what Abraham and the great men of faith, they were looking for a new place, a, new, a city, um, well, a city on the hill, so to speak, and we are citizens of that, of heaven. Um, so... I'm going to start with that biblical perspective before we get into some of the important things that are causing a lot of people, even Christians, uh, anxiety and maybe even fear of the future. So please, please share uh, what you were talking about briefly before we got on the air, Joe, keep, about keeping that biblical perspective. Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, I think it's around verse 10, you know, it talks about how Abraham... Uh, was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And I have to be honest with you, there's a lot of times in my life as a constitutionalist and as a patriot and as an American that I don't have the right perspective. You know, I'm sort of looking to America uh, 
to solve the world's problems. And, you know, I'm a very patriotic person, David, just I'm sure like you are. If you cut me open, I'd probably bleed red, white, and blue. (laughs) I love America so much. But the fact of the matter is God did pretty well. Um, in human history, before America ever existed, yes, <laughs> and he's going to do he's going to do pretty good uh, if the Lord tarries and America goes by the wayside. So I don't want that to happen. I want us to be good stewards of everything God has given us in this country in terms of freedoms. But when you lose those at the human level, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, this morning I'm disappointed. I'll be honest with you, but I don't think that's grounds for losing hope. Amen and optimism for the future, because Abraham was not looking for the United States or any other secular country. He was looking for something God would come and build, you know, the new heavens and new earth and the new Jerusalem. And Hebrews 12, verse 28, uh, tells us that we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. You know, America right now is being shaken to the core, and it's wonderful that we live uh, uh, with a God that has made us such a promise that we're going to inherit something that cannot be shaken. So I don't know. I think it's verses like that that sort of give me stability Mm. in disappointing times. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. That reminds me of a psalm. I believe it's uh, is it eight sixteen verse eight. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Another translation says, I will not be moved. But we have to set the Lord always before us and seek first his kingdom and not the kingdom of America. Not to, not to say that we aren't supposed to do everything we can, pray and vote and raise awareness about the truth, expose the Democrat media, uh, the Marxist coup, and expose all the evil that's going on. But we need to stay true to God's word and our really our commission to share the gospel. Um, Last time we were on, Andy, um, we had a lot of positive feedback, incredible feedback about the honesty. Maybe it was provocative, what we were sharing, but uh, what we talked about on that podcast, and I'll just give our listeners just briefly, um, we were really talking about the possibility of the Insurrection Act um, and what needed to be done in order to get to the bottom of this the cyber warfare, the foreign interference in the election last November. And there was a pastor, a local pastor, I won't mention his name or church, um, but he called for us to repent, particularly you, but both of us, what we were saying and agreeing to, that the needed steps that could be or should be taken by the president or those in power and it's constitutional what we were talking about. I would love for you to share the bullet points of what we discussed and then your thoughts on a, a pastor um, calling. I know he's pretty much a, a liberal social justice guy, but nonetheless, he called us to repent. So go ahead, Pastor Andy, just share with us what we were talking about and what really constitutionally could be done still, maybe. Sure. Well, I mean, there's three dates you know, that are very important in this whole electoral process. There's the mid-December. First of all, there's November 3rd, the voting. And then there's mid-December when the um, electoral college meets. And then there was what we experienced yesterday, where the uh, Congress certifies the electoral votes. And now the next important date is January 20th. So we're living in between the 6th and the 20th, Inauguration Day, 
And what's important for people to understand is during this time period, Donald J. Trump is still the President of the United States. And as President of the United States, he continues to have legal tools at his fingertips. One of them was an executive order, uh, which was signed in 2018, which basically allows him to um, take matters into his own hands if it is suspected or believed that there has been cyber warfare in the American electoral process by foreign countries. And I don't know how you feel about that, David. I believe there's plenty of evidence for that. In fact, we did an entire pastor's point of view on that subject on Tuesday. And under such circumstances, the president can actually appoint military tribunals to, you know, ferret out the election results. Now, that's not radical. Uh, that's not illegal. Mm-hmm. It's not unchristian. <laughs> it's not unbiblical. It's an actual law in the books. And he also has um, at his fingertips the Insurrection Act, which allows you to do what? To to the executive to unilaterally put down an insurrection. Now, why would he want to do that? Well, just think back at the, of the summer. Think of all of the rioting and protesting and looting and burning. And so, you know, I guess people are afraid um, that if you go this direction, you're bringing in the heavy hand of government, but these are actual legal constitutional tools that the president has at his disposal. Mm -hmm. And so when this pastor that you're speaking of is calling us to repent, I mean, what what are we repenting of exactly? I mean, encouraging our chief executive to function under the law. I mean, that doesn't make any any sense to repent for that. And when you actually Google search people that claim <laughs> to be pastors, and I've done this many times, mm-hmm. what you discover is they are wrapped up in a form of spirituality that is social justice theology or liberation theology. It's spirituality, but it's not the biblical spirituality that we know. Um, it's not biblical truth. It's trying to read the Bible through a Marxist grid that's called liberation theology. The more popular term for it is social justice theology. So when he calls us to repent, what he's doing is he's calling us to repent, not through the lens of the Bible, but through the lens of liberation theology and social justice theology. So I guess based on that reaction, that would be my response to it. So, um, some might say he would be a disciple of uh, the Reverend Jim Wallace rather than a disciple of Jesus Christ, but I don't want to go that far. Although, um, you know, Wallace definitely uh, is a leader of the left, the social justice movement, and um, did much damage and helped the Obama administration um, really kind of convert a lot of middle-of-the-road Christians who were swayed by that language because they can— say things that sound good. As you said, you know, the he wrote us a very extensive email and calling us to repent for the, the December 15 podcast, which we did. And by the way, you, you mentioned five um, top, your top five prophetic concerns as we go into 2021, but we kind of looked at last year. And number two, you said, was the social justice movement and the decline of the evangelical church. So isn't it interesting, after we talk about that as one of your top five, uh, along with cultural Marxism in America, but the social justice movement, uh, a pastor who probably would be under the umbrella of evangelical, but he's a social justice pastor, and I've actually been able to talk with people 
since then who used to go to that church that um, definitely confirmed that the messages have swayed very far to the left in many ways when that issue comes up, or issues. Um, So he called us to repent, but one of the things that I think I, I remember him saying, Andy, and you can respond to this, is when we were saying media, journalists, anyone who is putting out this false narrative and lies and expo- covering up what was going on as far as the, um, the election, the cyber warfare, the foreign interference in our election, not trying to cover that up so it wouldn't be investigated, they should be exposed as, uh, as part of the, this coup, and they should be, if necessary, if they're putting out this false information, they should be prosecuted to the extent of the law. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that's what he had a problem with as well. Right. I don't think what, you know, this legal option is, is jailing journalists. Uh, it sounds, you know, a lot more radical than what it is. Um, so it's not talking about taking dissenters and putting them into jail. But I think when people hear that term martial law, it, mm-hmm. it scares them. Yes. But the truth of the matter is, if you really want to know the truth, David, we're under a form of martial law right now mm-hmm. with all of these, you know, six-foot distancing and mask requirements and stay in your house and all of this kind of stuff. I yes. mean, what, what this would do uh, basically is say the judiciary and the legislative branch branches of government have proven themselves either incompetent or unwilling to look at this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's very important for people to understand that, yes, there has been a Supreme Court ruling and there have been judicial rulings, but there has not been a single judicial ruling looking at the evidence or looking at the actual merits of the case. And the Trump legal team, to my mind, has done a masterful job unearthing that evidence. Where they're having difficulty is finding someone who wants to listen to him. Wow. So um, so all of the decisions that have been made are made on the basis of standing and latches, and lawyers know what those words mean, but they're just procedural words to, you know, to dismiss the suit. No, there is no court that's actually looked at the merits. And so if our Supreme Court is not going to look at the merits, and the state legislatures aren't going to look at the merits with a few exceptions, of course. And if our own Congress is not going to look at the actual merits, somebody has to. And this executive order, you know, basically would allow Donald J. Trump to do that. And, you know, we he still has time to do it between now and the 20th, which is Inauguration Day, and it's completely legal. And it's uh, something you don't use as a first resort. It's something you use as a last resort. And, you know, personally, I like the idea. Now, not every Christian out there will agree with me on mm-hmm. it, but there's nothing un- un- there's nothing illegal, there's nothing um, unchristian, unchristlike about it. Yeah, we forget what happened and how this nation was formed. They fought a war, <laughs> the Revolutionary War. And so we're looking at this as a legal um, option that not many people want to think about because it's has it ever been used? I mean, we're talking about military tribunals that can be set up to properly investigate and resolve what probably more than half the country knows happened. They, we just are trying to find a judge who will take the case, ways to prove it. It is unbelievable that some of these judges, and you're right, the martial law is, military law is the temporary imposition of direct 
military control, I'm sorry, martial laws, the temporary imposition of direct military control of normal civil functions or suspension of civil law by government, especially in response to a temporary emergency. This would be one of those emergencies. Um, so, Andy, I think uh, our listeners want to just kind of move on from this point saying, OK, the president can still do something and he's got until the 20th. So mm -hmm. we don't know what will happen. I, I don't I think there's so much against him. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. But what what does your gut tell you? I think you told me, in fact, if I can just read, uh, you texted me yesterday and I thought, boy, that's that's very honest. And I think that's how I'm feeling as well about the direction and where we're headed as a country. And you were very honest. And you, you said um, if the president does not intervene at this point unilaterally, then we need to prepare for a Marxist controlled government in the House in the Senate, and in the presidency. Um, would you like to expound on that before we mention the Georgia uh, Senate races? Sure. Well, you know, who, who's going to be our president um, if Biden wins, which Kamala. from a human pers perspective, it looks like he is going to win. Well, obviously, Biden's not going to be our president. He doesn't have the mental acuity um, nor does he have the physical stamina to be in that office. So we're going to put in power, in essence, um, Kamala Harris, who I think finished 16th or something, something like that yeah. in the uh, Democratic primary. Yep. And she is, like the Biden family, bought and paid for by Chinese com by, by the uh, China and, and communism. And this is not a slight on Chinese people. This is how this issue is misrepresented. It's a, it's a slight on the form of government in China, which is holding them hostage. And um, so she's the one that's going to be in charge. And is, is that what we want? Um, particularly considering that nobody voted for her, if this election was in fact a rigged, you know, election. And then you mentioned the Georgia races. You've got one of those individuals that's now going to be in the Senate, Warnock. I believe the same software that was used, you know, to flip Georgia for Biden in November of last year is the exact same voting system that was just used <laughs> yes. yesterday. Yeah. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, the Demo we, we, want, we go to bed thinking the Republicans are leading, and we get up in the morning, and it's the Democrats that won. Now, one <laughs> of those guys that won is a guy named Raphael Warnock, who is, and just do the research on him, he is a card-carrying member of what is called liberation theology. That's mm -hmm. why he, as a reverend, can support abortion and homosexual rights and all of these other things because he's drinking from a well of spirituality that is not the same well that you and I, David, drink from. It's not biblical truth. It's the Bible recycled through a liberation theology grid. And, you know, what is, uh, what does Timothy, what does Paul say to Timothy in the last days? I think this is in 2 Timothy 3, there's going to be a form of spirituality, but it will deny the power of God. And that, in essence, is what happens when you put any grid over the Bible. And in this case, it would be liberation theology. So you've got Kamala Harris in the executive branch. You've got the Senate now flipped. 
And one of the people that flipped it was a liberation theologian who has roots back to James Cone, a liberation theologian, and the Reverend Jeremiah Wright, Obama's pastor, of 20 liberation years. Yep. The- theologian. And so uh, these are all people that I think assumed power illicitly through foreign cyber warfare. And what has just been taken away from us is our fundamental right to elect our leaders. America is now being governed without the consent of the governed, which is the exact opposite of what the Declaration of Independence says. And so now the Church of Jesus Christ here in North America is looking down the barrel of a Marxist regime ruling and reigning over them. And so we need to just sort of accept that for what it is and say, okay, Lord, this is not what we wanted. And we work to prevent this, but here we are. And and, uh, as the late uh, Francis Schaeffer said, how then shall we live? Amen. Uh, We have so much more to come with Dr. Andy Woods. We'll talk a little bit more about how uh, Georgia has flipped, what that looks like for America. Also, what happened yesterday in D.C., and more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, Dr. Andy Woods, we're continuing with uh, what's happening politically, which is a concern to us who are Christians because this country is and is changing and has changed throughout the years. Before, I want to get back to the, quote, Reverend uh, Warnock, the radical, who wants to defund the police, and he just got elected to the Senate, apparently. Uh, I got a comment, um, Pastor Andy. He said, this is referring to you know, about socialism and a step to communism, but he said, I cannot accept that the majority of American people really want a full-on socialist government, not even the majority who voted for Joe Biden. The media, big tech, and the socialists have decided a great number, have deceived a great number uh, that Donald Trump is evil because he is in fa- he championed freedom and liberty, the opposite of socialist goals. To me, this is this is the heart of this election quote battle. If the Obama Harris, and that is what this election was really about, if the Obama Harris ticket wins, I fear there will never be enough freedom to dig out of the socialism hole without a civil war. And another text I just got uh, encouraged by the program this morning, uh, as always. So, um, Andy, thank you for just being honest. I mean, you're a pastor. You're you've got a uh, you know background as an attorney as well. You're an author. Um, you're well versed on a lot of this constitutionally, legally. So you're not coming at it as some radical. We we want the Republicans in office no matter what. We're not going to cheat to do that. But people, let's just go back to Georgia for a minute, and then you can respond if you want to uh, to this comment on uh, there will never be enough freedom to dig out of socialism without a civil war. I asked you yesterday how a radical like Warnock could get elected in America, let alone Georgia. We know that people voted. The question is, how many people voted? Was there rigging of the Georgia election? Because it was razor thin. Like it was like 50 to 49 or something like that. So I would love for you to just share your thoughts on, on how especially in a, in a formerly conservative state. I know the country is changing, though, and shifting. But a lot of this is George Soros money. A lot of this is uh, the leftist influence. Hollywood always jumps in on Georgia when there's a big election. So share your thoughts to kind of give us some uh, a way to go here. 
Well, I think if people will go back to Georgia, <clears throat> November the 3rd, the wee hours of the morning, November the 4th, and I believe this took place in Georgia where they claimed, oh, there's a water main break. Mm -hmm. Get everybody out of here. And they didn't have enough sense, I guess, to turn off the surveillance cameras. But then they it's all on film. Yep. They go under the table with everybody gone, and they pull out a bunch of boxes, um, hundreds of thousands of votes there. A lot of them they scan you know, two or three times. And I'm told that that in and of itself was enough to flip Georgia, you know, away from Trump and towards Biden. Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of dispute. It's not a matter of he said, she said. It's just a matter of looking at a video and watching them do it. And now we have the authorities in Georgia who basically said, well, we're not going to do an evaluation of this. We're going to keep using the same system. We're going to keep using the same machines, you know, which, by the way, have propped up communist dictators like Hugo Chavez all over the world. And we're going to just use the exact same system for the runoff. So the fact of the matter is there shouldn't have even been a runoff. The Republicans won Georgia in a landslide. And even if there was a runoff, then the Republicans should have carried that. So it's, it's just cheating. It's vote stealing. They have the levers of power. And they've created a situation where our votes don't count, and we can't get our um, concerns met at the judicial level because the Supreme Court and judicial bodies won't hear the evidence. And so they've created a situation, and the, and the media certainly is not on our side. So we're hemmed in, and we're stuck. The coup, as I like to call it, is basically complete now, unless Trump does something you know, very, very radical. And my question for the Church of Jesus Christ is, well, then how then shall we live? Uh, we're in the same situation and, and circumstance that Christians have been in in countries for the last 2,000 years. Yes, It's just a little different for us because we've enjoyed this sort of uh, artificial window and bubble of freedom called the United States of America. But as I'm trying to observe, observe world events, it looks like that bubble is, is being broken. And here we are <clears throat> facing the same scenario that Christians all over the world are facing, and it's maybe it's time we start listening to Iranian Christians, mm. Chinese Christians, Christians living underground in Islamic countries. I mean, how, you know, maybe they should start educating us <laughs> related to how we're supposed to live as Christians in the devil's world. Mm. I, I I want to—I was going to ask you a question that we already know the answer to, and if—, if it was the if the roles were reversed and the Democrats suddenly were ahead and all of a sudden they lost in the wee hours of the morning, lost the election, so to speak. And then uh, all, all these different random and uh, all these anomalies, the issues with voter fraud, these videos, because the media. I, I'm, so the, the question is, would it be any different right now? The media would be all over this. It would be front page news. Pressure would have been put on government it would have been put on judges and we would not have the same outcome they would be pursuing this but because the media has covered for the left and they are now the uh, their liberal media activists is what i call them because they are it's it, we have a one party media in america which is dangerous to a free republic they're gaslighting 
They're gaslighting yeah. you and I and the American people who are saying, we know, the, the media is saying, don't believe your eyes, Andy. There's no evidence of voter fraud. How do you respond to that? I know you shared, I mean, it's on surveillance video, just that one example in Georgia where they're pulling out under from underneath tables, boxes yeah. of ballots. It's on video. Why yeah. isn't that enough to prove it just, let's just go state by state. Hmm. Well, you know, all you got to do is go back to Bush v. Gore in 2000 when the shoe was on the other foot and it was Al Gore that wanted all the votes counted. And of course, what he meant by that is selective recounts in some counties in Florida. And he just wanted them to get, keep getting counted over and over again until he got the upper edge in Florida. And all you have to do is go back to how the media and the Democrats were acting back then and see how different they're acting right now. I mean, when it's their guy, uh, they're the first to cry foul. In fact, you can actually go onto YouTube and Twitter and different things and see the Democrats trying to protest the electoral votes in favor of George Bush, mm -hmm. you know, in the House of Representatives, Barbara Boxer, very liberal senator from California. Uh, others were trying to do that um, 20 years ago. Now, now if you do it, you're considered unpatriotic and you're defying the will of the people. So that's how you recognize you're under propaganda, because yep. you see these blatant, uh, excuse me, blatant you know basically blatant contradictions and so it's just sort of um, uh, a terrifying time <coughs> that we're living in excuse me sure it's cognitive dissonance you can you can call it hypocrisy um, double standards we're seeing it all over the place um, you said where do we go from here and I think I want to go back to the from a Christian perspective We've got churches across America, and Georgia is no different, where you've got pastors that are leftist pastors, social justice pastors. You mentioned Warnock in Georgia, um, liberation theologian. And you can take the next step to black liberation theology, and which is you know a, a whole nother unbiblical uh, doctrine. But yet, um, he apparently he was elected by however. Let's just say. Let's just say. There was some cheating, but there, a lot of people voted. I mean, millions of people voted in Georgia. So we know a lot of people still voted for the guy, aside from the cheating or any fraud, right? A lot of people in Georgia voted for this man, knowing his background, knowing what he stood for, that he wanted to defund the police. He is really uh, saying that Trump supporters are white supremacists and so many, he's pro-abortion and pro-gay marriage and all the you know liberal uh, you know bullet points for what they stand for. So how does that happen, Andy? Can we go back to that and talk about you know the importance of Christians making sure their church is teaching sound doctrine? Sure. I mean, it's very important for people to understand that the devil you know quotes the Bible. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the Judean wilderness in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, and you study that out, you'll see that the two of them got into a kind of a scripture-quoting contest. <laughs> and uh, the devil knows how to quote the Bible. The devil knows the Bible probably better than most theologians or pastors know the Bible. But 
Satan, John eight forty four, being the father of lies, takes scripture and he, he twists it. So when somebody is claiming the mantle of reverend or pastor and they're promoting the very things that the Bible is against, like abortion on demand and homosexuality and all of these things, you know that you're dealing with a form of spirituality, which is a false form of spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It denies the power thereof. And so when you're sitting in a church like that and you're comparing what is being taught to what the Word of God actually says, you and you see a distinction, you know that you're being taught not by the Holy Spirit, but by what Paul warned about in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, an angel of light. And, you know, you can get a lot of people to adopt communism simply by putting it under a Christian veneer or a Christian banner. Uh, a lot of people will reject communism outright until it comes from their pastor, and then they'll accept it. And you have to understand that the goal of the communists is not to make us into full-fledged communists, but it is to lower the resistance against communism and kind of turn it into making it not so much of a threat um, as people think it is. And you do that by kind of wrapping it up in biblical language and kind of turning Jesus into a social reformer who came into the world to eliminate class struggles rather than the crucified and resurrected Son of God who died on a a cross for the sins of the world, you know, 2,000 years ago. And that's what Warnock, that's what Cohn, that's what Reverend Wright, that's what this entire movement, you know, is, is proclaiming, and they're trying to pick off Christianity, Mm -hmm. so that Christians will have just a little less resistance against Marxism. So when Biden and Harris come to power and they start arguing for, you know, defunding the police and America is, you know, uh, systematically racist and we need universal health care and we need to raise the minimum wage and all of these kinds of things, everybody says, well, isn't it great that the Lord's work is being done? Because this is consistent with the version of Christianity that I learned at my church, when in reality, that's not what Christianity says. Uh, What you learned is a form of liberation theology, and you're being set up to absorb and be less, be a little bit more tolerant of Marxist ideology. Hmm. Um, I don't want to be too redundant here and uh, go back to um, the election, I want to move on from that, talk about uh, other things. But your pastor's point of view this last week was called America on the Brink. And you talked about the, is it a hammer scorecard? Can you, if there's anything you want to share before we move on, uh, please let our listeners know what that pastor's point of view was about and that they can go look that up. Sure. I mean, it's pastor's point of view, number 150 and you can find it on my YouTube channel. But basically the idea of the hammer and the scorecard, I first learned about it by listening to Sidney Powell. She made reference to it in an interview on the Lou Dobbs show. And um, you can learn an awful lot about it by looking into the names Alan Jones and Mary Fanning, who co-authored a book on the subject, And also, I learned about it by listening to General Thomas McInerney, who is a three-star retired general. So these are all credible voices, 
And basically the hammer and the scorecard application is something that was created post 9-11 in 2003 to act as a surveillance tool against people that would be plotting other 9-11 type terrorist activities against the United States of America. And what has happened is the hammer and scorecard application has been turned against the American people. Mm. It has been commandeered by Brennan and Clapper. The Obama administration took it with them when they left office, and there are actually now three hammers in the world, one in the United Kingdom, one in China, and one in the United States of America. And it's an ability, technologically, computer-wise, to set up an algorithm where, let's say, uh, Joe Biden, every time someone votes, he gets 1.7 votes, and Trump, you know, gets uh, 0.7 of a vote. And this is how they're able to flip, you know, states mm. by using this. And that's kind of the, the, the nuts, nuts and bolts of it. And they've been, they've been able to do this in past elections. It's just this time around, what is covert has now become overt, because Trump, the evening uh, of November the 3rd, was beating the algorithm so badly. Mm -hmm. He was winning in a landslide, and that's where they panicked. And simultaneously, those five swing states all stopped counting at that point, and they had to readjust the algorithm. So I think it's, you know, people will dismiss this as conspiracy theories, yep. but you have to stop listening to the media and look at the people that are telling you this thing is actually real. I find General Thomas McInerney, a three-star general, highly credible on the topic. And there's, there's other names as well. But that, in essence, is what that is. Thank you. So you can check that out. We'll put the link to uh, his pastor's point of view on StandUpForTheTruth.com, the blog, the blog podcast today on The Post. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the media when we get back. Plus, we're going to move on to uh, more coronavirus lockdowns coming possibly that's what they're talking about how dark of a winter will it be plus a church where six elders were charged for holding services in defiance of lockdowns is this where we're heading we're going to talk more with dr andy woods when we come back on stand up for the truth keep it right here Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Before we get to this article and an amazing response from Trinity Bible Chapel, where six elders were charged for holding church services in defiance of lockdowns. We'll get to that in a minute, but we just want to go back and, and look at what happened yesterday at the U.S. State Capitol Understand, there were people there. Yes, it was a uh, patriotic rally, whatever, whatever you want to call it, a pro-freedom, uh, stop the steal, pro-Trump rally. I know it was a massive turnout, but there were people, there were minions from Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and wouldn't I, would you, listening right now, would you put it past some of them to put on a red mega hat or to dress up like a normal person instead of all black in this gear and go and try to cause some problems and some violence yesterday. So the headlines really disappointed me, Andy, and I want you to respond to this one. I didn't, I, since Christmas, right around Christmas time, I kind of weaned myself off of a lot of the news I typically try to keep up with uh, for obvious reasons. They're not telling the truth. The media has become an enemy, I believe, of the people. Uh, they're not telling the truth. But 
when we were seeing all these riots last year in the summer throughout our country in different cities, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the media generally and most often called them protests. Whether they said peaceful or not, they called them protests. Very rarely did you hear anyone from the media say they are rioting. But yesterday, I just happened to flip over to NBC and the headline said uh, Trump supporters rioting at U.S. State Capitol, NBC. And I thought that if that is not the hypocrisy of the media, another example. And I just before I get on my soapbox, I want you to share <laughs> share your thoughts, please. Well, I mean, we're basically what I would like to call in a narrative war. We've been in this for some time, and the name of the game is to turn Trump and all of his supporters into racists. And you're you're basically some kind of white supremacist or something like that. But on the other hand, if you're marching for George Soros front groups like Antifa, BLM, or whatever, you're some kind of freedom fighter or you know you're some kind of person who is just interested in the free expression of ideas and you can see how the two groups are treated completely differently for example you'll notice how the covid requirements and masks go right out the window when it's BLM and yeah. Antifa yeah and then all of a sudden you know if if a conservative group a pro-Trump group wants to march. Suddenly everybody's worried about masks and things like that. But, you know, I, I have a friend, and I've got friends that were there on the ground, and I was monitoring their Facebook pages yesterday, and you see countless groups, women for Trump, blacks for Trump, Hispanics for Trump. And what was represented yesterday, over a million people, the media calling it 10,000 people is, is a lie. You know, they need to add a zero or two to that. <laughs> um, but what was represented was America, what middle America thinks across the spectrum. And Trump, the reason he won in a landslide and they had to doctor the vote is he, unlike any other Republican, to my awareness, that's come before him, had captured 30%. Think about that. 30% of the black vote. Uh, turned out for Trump. It's never happened. And that's, yeah. that's why he was beating the algorithm so badly that they had to go into an emergency session. Um, the wee uh, hours of the morning on November the 4th. So, you know, that's how you know you're being exposed to propaganda because you see these, you know, blatant double standards. All right. Let's move on to what we are going to be facing assuming that uh, the Great Reset is going to still try to be pushed and they're going to try to lock us down and affect our economies, and churches are being affected. California, there's lawsuits. Uh, A friend of ours in New Mexico, Steve Smotherman, uh, he was fined at least once, probably several times. They've got a lawsuit with the government there in New Mexico. He was fined $10,000. Now we've got a story out of Canada, and it says, Canadian Church pens epic response after police charge six elders for holding services in defiance of lockdowns. And one of the things they said was, our Savior shed his blood to purchase the church. And therefore, deeming the church unessential is tantamount to deeming the blood of Christ unessential, which is a public act of blasphemy. So let me read this and get your response, Andy. It says, we are peaceful family men seeking to pastorally care for our family, families and our church in sincere obedience to God. We are not criminals. Officers from the Waterloo Region Police Service showed up at each of our homes last night, 
at roughly 8 p.m. and gave us each a summons to court, while other pastors in Ontario have faced similar charges under the, uh, I guess, Reopening Ontario Act for holding church services. To our knowledge, this is the first time that each and every member of an entire elders board has been charged for gathering a church to worship. Although we know of officers within the WRPS who are pers- who personally disagree with these charges, it appears that they're trying to make an example of us. For years, we have taught our children to respect police, and now our children and grandchildren are witnesses to their fathers and grandfathers receiving charges for worshiping Christ within our church. It's a dark day for this region and Ontario. Pastor Andy, it's not just in Canada. And what what do you see happening in this country this coming year? Well, as Biden and Harris assume assert power, assume power, assuming that's what's going to happen, you can expect things like that to become more normative in the United States. And you can expect the double standards to continue. I think it was Neil Gorsuch in a recent Supreme Court opinion who said, in no world does the Constitution not protect Calvary Chapel, I think in Nevada, Calvary Chapel in Nevada, but but at the same time protect Caesar's Palace. <laughs> mm. In other words, it's interesting how these restrictions don't apply to Caesar's Palace and these big ga- gaming and gambling industries, <laughs> but a little church wants to meet. Hey, we've got to lock down and make sure these COVID restrictions are in place. So what you're seeing across the board is just a blatant lack of consistency. It's almost like they're saying this virus must be really smart. You know, it knows how to work in a church, but it doesn't know how to work over at Walmart. And you've got this terrible situation where the government is stepping in and saying, well, you're, this group over here is essential, but that group over there is not essential. Yeah. That is dictatorial power. Yeah. That, that is completely outside of everything that America was founded on. And that's the reality in Justin Trudeau's left-leaning Canada. And God forbid, if as we get Biden and Harris, we're going to see that same left turn here in the United States. So not to get off on a tangent, we've got about six minutes left, uh, Andy. Why is, why is it not being investigated further? That You've got the coronavirus that originated from a level four uh, lab in China, uh, in Wuhan, and America provided approximately $3.7 million in funding for that Chinese lab during the Obama administration. Fauci knows about this. I think he was part of that. Why haven't we heard anything about that? I don't want to get an, off on a whole sure. other thing, but I'm sure you know a little bit about that. Well, I mean, really the bottom line is it's a narrative war. America is at war right now. I mean, what, what happened on November 3rd with cyber warfare is is just as real as if troops had landed on American shores. Mm. And this uh, whole uh, CCP Wuhan virus is a biological weapon that has been unleashed on the United States of America. The Chinese communists had to get rid of Donald Trump because he's one of the few presidents that stood up to them in terms of their unfair trade practices, etc. And it, we're in a war. We're in a biological war. We're in cyber warfare. It's it's a very real war. And there's a lot of people out there that don't want you to think it is a war. So right. what they do is they just shift the narrative 
and try to make it sound like it's something that's not as bad as it is. And that's why we're being subjected to the propaganda that we're being subjected to. And part of this war on words is uh, they're using nationalism now as a dirty word uh, in the media in particular. And I want to get your response to this article that came out over even over at the Religion News Service. Um, the authors of the, these secular Democrats who are making these recommendations to Biden and Harris say that they should Biden should use e pluribus unum instead of in God we trust, <laughs> and that the Harris administration should uh, repeal the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Just those two points, Andy. Please respond. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's again, part of a narrative war. You know, they've been trying to call nationalism racism for a long time. But the fact of the matter is God himself invented the doctrine of nations or the nation-state. You'll see God doing that in Genesis chapter 11 with the famous Tower of Babel scattering. And what God created there is different nation-states, and he wants those nation-states to exist in such a way that there's a balance of power. Because if there's only one government that exists on planet Earth, as there was at the Tower of Babel, and that government falls into the wrong hands, then Genesis 11, verse 4, and I think also verse 6, says nothing will be impossible for them. So Mm. God is the one that created nations. And you can't have a nation unless you have a common uh, culture, a common language, a common currency, and you also have to have enforceable borders. Hmm. If you don't have any of those four things, then you don't have a nation anymore. And that's why those things are the things that are under attack today, because there's a mindset that wants to move us back to Babel and wants to move us back into uh, world government. I would say this is what George Soros is all about with his open borders society. And I would also say this is what this great global reset that you've alluded to is all about as well. And that's why they're calling nationalism racism, which is absurd. Nationalism is something that God created as one of the divine institutions for our own good, to protect us from ourselves for the betterment of humanity in a fallen world. Um, By the way, um, Trump got on their the wrong side. He was already on the wrong side when he was elected. But I think a year or so ago, uh, he said uh, globalism is the future does not belong to global the globalists or to globalism. He said some very powerful words about freedom and uh, nationalism. And boy, I think that that triggered that could have triggered the whole uh, Wuhan (laughs) lab funding to get that going. Well, he said those things at the United Nations, yep. <laughs> and then he said those things in Davos. Wow. I guess while all of these you know, high-powered globalists in between their skiing opportunities that they have out there, <laughs> um, you know, Trump spoke, and you can watch it on YouTube, where he said the United States is not going to go under world government, and we're not a socialist country. Mm-hmm. And the moment he said that, um, they, I think they had declared war on him yeah. much earlier, but the, the warfare accelerated. Um, you said one thing before we wrapped up the last segment. We just have a minute left. Um, the importance of not listening to today's media. But there have to be some outlets out there where people can get the truth. As Christians, Andy, living in this country, we know we are very concerned about 
what's happening and the future. Uh, please sh- just give us your final thoughts on what we can do to kind of go forward, keep our feet really in the Bible and the Word of God as Christ are being our cornerstone and trying to get some information that's actually factual and true. Yeah, it's like, you know, you eat. We, we know how to eat food that's good for us to reduce, you know, bad negative calories, and we need to start doing that with the media. You don't just absorb everything that you're told from CNN, MSNBC, and even Fox News. Fox News has been a major disappointment yeah. to a lot of conservatives, and so you have to start finding independent sources of information. Your show, David, is very good on that. I think I've seen actually from you a list of independent sources that you rely upon. You might think about sharing that list Mm -hmm. with people. Um, We have our YouTube channel where we have Pastor's Point of View. I've also grown to like uh, One American News Network. I like uh, Newsmax. Uh, My friend Brandon House at Worldview Weekend, he does a very good job. So there's other people out there. And once you become aware of them, you'll see who they're linking to, and you'll become aware of of other uh, sources of news. Dr. Andy Woods, thank you so much again. It goes by so fast with you because there's always so much to cover. Now we'll do it again very soon, brother. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. We appreciate your ministry. God bless you. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know our guests, who our guests are, well, tomorrow and next week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, he's back with us, Elijah Abraham. The famous uh, line, uh, we have American Christianity, not biblical Christianity. (laughs) We'll be talking about that, catching up with him. We haven't uh, had him on for a while, so I'm kind of looking forward to hearing uh, just what's been going on in Texas. And uh, he hasn't been traveling as much, obviously, because of COVID. Pastor Elijah Abraham. And on Monday, Jay Siegert is back with us, Starting Point Project, and Mike Gendron of Proclaiming the Gospel. Um, back with us on Tuesday. That's as far as we'll go for right now. But thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, keep fighting the good fight of faith. You know, we, uh, we know who wins in the end. If God be for us, who can be against us? So uh, God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.